All right. So I'm Googling 35 ridiculously fun icebreaker ideas. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> yeah, we could just like also do that. We could just like not. All these icebreakers are products to buy. Like the mints. Yeah. Is there like one the ones that cheese? The icebreakers mints that you, the container has two holes, but they just go to the same container and one's just bigger and one's smaller. I was honestly like, I like really, those. really excellent product Hold design. On. Do y'all want to play diversity bingo? That sounds, that sounds very, great. <laughs> very uncomfortable. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Hey, hey, my white friends, do you guys want to play diversity bingo? I think so. So it would take me 29 minutes right now because there's a little bit of traffic to get to Lyle's house and uh, beat him about the head and face with a large bat until he stops breathing. Um, That's sort of what my plan is to stop him from making me do diversity bingo. I'm going to play diversity bingo with you whether you like it or not. Okay. I never said no to it for the record. A second. <laughs> I'm looking at various diversity bingo cards and they're all just really like coded ways of saying I'm Jewish or I'm trans. I don't get it. What do you mean by that? Like instead of just saying like Jewish and you cross that off if you're Jewish, it's, it's just like celebrates Hanukkah. That's funny. <laughs> One is needs a Starbucks run, uh, and I don't that's know just, what kind of diversity being that is. Gay coded. <laughs> being gay coded, being gay coded. Yeah, the gays deserve better coffee than Starbucks. No, no, we don't. One of the squares is just diversity of thought in quotes, and I that's guess free that's free space. <laughs> yeah, that is the free space. That's a free space uh, because that's the type of d- diversity your company talks about when they say we're hiring diverse people. Which means they do it like uh, textbooks, like like the math textbooks that you had in high school, where there's one black guy and one Asian guy, one guy in a wheelchair. They they always had like one of and each. one Republican. No, that's that's the white guy. <laughs> oh, okay, and one anarchist. We are okay. That's also the white guy. He's very complicated. <laughs> no, that's the toddler. <laughs> yeah. Do do we want to just do a baseball episode and condemn Lyle to? not understanding anything i mean i can leave if you want me to (laughs) you don't have to worry about me i thought lyle might be interested in you know it's just like it's some classic like cartoon evil billionaire shit it's kind of like i know you guys all hate me it's a little fun so lyle we are gonna use you as the stand-in for the listeners here because i think some of our listeners have a decent understanding of what's going on with baseball because like half the podcast is baseball heads, but you are not a baseball fan. I'm not a baseball. You look like a baseball. I think we but can. You're not a baseball fan, right? No. Okay. Have you ever been a baseball fan? No. Interesting. I'm a big fan of going to Cardinals games. Okay. Well, that does place you in the realm of baseball fan. Whether I don't you... watch the baseball though. But you're what there. I do is I eat hot dogs and drink beer. That is baseball. Okay. Um, I'm in, baby. Hold on, Lyle. You eat hot dogs and drink beer at home also, so. No, I don't drink beer at home. What? Okay. Why? Doink, have we told you about uh, Lyle's hot dog pot? There's more. We don't have to do that. We don't don't need any more Lyle hot dog lore on this show. (laughs) I think we do, though. (laughs) No. Uh. I'm assuming I'm assuming we've got a you have a pot that's specifically for boiling hot dogs. Yes. So, all right, let's break it down. 
what's it shaped like? Is it a, is a it optim- It's not an optimal. Like, it's a no, regular it's, pot with no, a lid. No, it's an oval shaped pot metal. It's not oval. It's oval very shaped. large. It's, it's not m- oval shaped. They make oval shaped. I could go pots. grab my hot dog pot right now. It's a circle. <laughs> yeah, go get it. Lyle. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. Okay. It, go grab the mainly hot just because it may still have hot dog water in it. <laughs> It's just like you just let it sit out. <laughs> You're I'm just, just really bad about put. I, the no, thing he is, made the hot dogs like 12 hours ago. We don't have to talk anymore about my hot dog pot. So this is kind of like the hot dog water in the hot dog pot is kind of just like um, like how if you were to store cilantro in the fridge, you put it in a glass of water, you know? No, I like to imagine water. it like those some of those restaurants you can find in china or in like uh you know like chinatown or whatever where they have the the soup base that they've been using the same china soup or base. chinatown <laughs> they're mostly the same thing yeah <laughs> anyways where they've been using like the same soup base for 75 okay. years gotcha. and they just keep adding ingredients lyle's been using the same hot dog water since he was like 14 okay i bring it house to house with me in a little jar <laughs> And it's like see it's seasoned just right. Yes. To capture all the flavors of the packaged cured. It's sort meat. of a slurry now. It's <laughs> really gross. Yeah, like the way that like the bubble like when you boil hot dogs, like those like bubbles that come to the surface, like the foamy kind of stuff that yeah. comes to the surface. Like it's just that's from just- the hot dog. It's the hot dog foam that's in there. Okay. You and know it like the hot dog's done when you get the hot dog foam out. Makes a nice film. Yeah. On the top. Ooh, I love the film. So, do, Lyle, does that compromise the integrity of the hot dog? Like, is it like when you're making soup and you have to skim the fat off the top? Do you need to take the hot dog foam off the top? Otherwise, well, your hot dog's hot dogs, right? The hot dog foam and the hot dog water will never actually touch the hot dog. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The hot dog water never touches the hot dog? No. How does that What? Work? You what ste- the f- <laughs> You steam a hot dog. Are okay. you using like a steamer basket in yes. your hot dog pot? <laughs> yeah, that's what that the, is the, the most. Dog. It's really it's less about <laughs> the pot and more about the what? basket. <laughs> what is wrong with so you? So you have a hot dog pot and a hot dog steamer basket. <laughs> Technically, neither of them are exclusively for use of the hot dog. It's just what they get the most use of. In fact, it's, it shows vegetables on the on the box the steamer came in. Well, oh, I'm really? Just, Does it? <laughs> I'm imagining I'm imagining your, your girlfriend's like, oh, hey, Lyle, I'm going to hard boil some eggs for breakfast. You're like, oh, hold on. Let me move my, my steamed hot dogs. <laughs> you take like 14 or 15 <laughs> just wet, dripping, you, like, steamed hot dogs out of the bag. In theory, do the same thing by putting like a bowl of water in the microwave next to a hot dog? Probably. Okay. Just wondering. Just giving you other methods. The thing I do is not a weird thing. No, it's absolutely a fucking weird thing. When I want a hot dog, Lyle, I get out a pan, I put a little oil in the pan, and I cook the hot dog in the pan like a normal fucking human. There's There's several ways to cook a hot dog. See, now we're coming full circle because when I want a hot dog, uh, I wait until the months of April to August, and then I buy tickets to a baseball game. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Good morning, Sunday morning, and welcome <laughs> to the Sunday Morning Podcast. This is episode 59. I am Alex with me's Doink. Hello. And Lyle. It's a normal pot. This is... <laughs> it's a normal pot. Good morning, Sunday morning.
I would love if you people finished talking about baseball. But in order to do that, you have to start. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. Uh, Lyle's not having a good time. Excuse me for thinking that Lyle would be interested in discussing a compelling labor story. Yeah, Lyle, hmm. uh, what I'm hearing is that you're a scab and you hate unions. God knows that I, I'm i going to violate the baseball union because I can't not watch baseball. Okay, so we're talking about the MLB lockout this week. Um, for those of you not familiar with it, basically there is the MLBPA or the Major League Baseball Players Association, and that is a union of all of the players. How many are there? Doink, like a thousand something. How many baseball players are there? Yeah. Uh, 1,200. 40 times 30 at minimum. Okay, so that's 1,200. Um, I don't know math. I can't do that in my head. Well. Actually, no, now I can. Now that I'm thinking about it. It's kind of just four times three <laughs> with extra zeros. <laughs> I'm glad you've unlocked that extra power. But they uh, have a collective bargaining agreement with the owners of the teams. And on December 1st, 2021, that expired. And it they expires are currently every five years. Yeah, every five years. Yeah. They're currently in the process of doing a new one. And that's what that's what we're going to talk about. It's going to be some good labor talk because they're doing a bad job at getting a new one. And when we say that, I specifically mean the owners. Yes. No blame is ever placed on the players. Uh, and that's a fun thing, too, is because uh, there is a lot of blame placed on them, which is so cool to see. Well, and that's and it makes me sad. That's I think because of sort of an understanding, uh, sorry, a misunderstanding of how like what is at at stake here because mm -hmm. we as leftists are viewing this as a labor conflict we're viewing it as capital the owners versus uh labor the players and a lot of people a lot of fans are viewing it as you know billionaires the owners versus millionaires the players when that's you know not usually the case mm -hmm. and even if it is there's still workers they're still providing labor and there's still a large difference between a million and a billion. <laughs> yes. If if you're not aware, um, you could crunch some numbers on that real quick to figure out just how big the difference is. This is the uh, first time that the CBA, the uh, Collective Bargaining Agreement, we're going to call it a CBA because that's a, it's a lot, uh, easier to say, this is the first time that it has actually caused problems since 94. Uh, mm -hmm. The previous few times that it's expired, they've been able to sort of amicably work things out mostly. It's um, been like, uh, you know, it's been since 94, it's been 20 years of kind of settling on yeah. a new CBA. And the players who are like, I mean, there's not many players who have been active for nearly that long, but there's players who have, you know, been well aware of these negotiations because they're obviously a part of them every five years and they're well aware of the fact that for the last 20 years they've been settling on deals and it's kind of like fully come to a head and like props to them for realizing that for some reason this year was the year that it could not go on any longer mm -hmm. with settling on a deal and it's it's really a shame because you don't play a sport 
you don't play a sport at the professional level without really, really, really loving the sport. So I'm willing to bet a lot of pe- a, a lot of players settled, like you said, you know, mm. were willing to take less money and less, uh, you know, time and less, you know, travel and things mm-hmm. like that. Were willing to settle like that because they just wanted to play the game. The owners don't give a shit about the sport. They just want their money. And we'll get into like specific examples of players talking about this, but like there's people have already started to like crunch numbers to see, you know, just the main points that are trying to be hit on these things are like um, one of the main things is like service time manipulation and also like arbitration pay manipulation and people have already started to crunch numbers to figure out like how much players like Corbin Burns, like I, someone I saw that he, you know, is owed millions of dollars for like what he made during his Cy Young season that he didn't see um, because he was in arbitration. And, and that uh, sucks. For, for people who aren't familiar with the term, what is arbitration oh, yeah. in baseball? Oh, well, arbitration is, um, so like that ties into service manipulation or service time, sorry. Arbitration ties into service time. So once you've been playing for a team for, I think it's three years now, then you enter arbitration, which is where they get to just negotiate how much you're worth in front of you. uh, And you don't get to say anything and they decide how much money you're going to make. And it's a really fucked up process that players don't enjoy going through because they often get fucked. Yeah. So I put to, we put together like a little timeline just to kind of like summarize like where the negotiations were. And then like, I think the most interesting part of this entire thing and like the most fucked up part of this entire thing has pretty much been within the last 48 hours seeing yeah. the incredible and ghoulish PR campaign that was put together by the MLB um, to villainize the players. It sucks so bad. And it's, it's, it's especially vile because it's just traditional union busting rhetoric. It's the same thing that, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking during the Starbucks episode about, oh, you know, a lot of the shit that they were dealing with and it's similar rhetoric, mm-hmm. but it's, there's a lot at stake. Yeah. It's, it's, sort of different because the way players are not viewed as workers by the American public. So it works a lot better. And the, the owners and their PR people know that. Mm -hmm. So they absolutely are using that to advantage. And like the fans have every right to be upset because like we're losing baseball. That fucking sucks. No one wants to lose their right to watch a sport that we get to watch every summer and like have had to watch every summer, but they're doing a very good job at making sure that the anger is completely misplaced and it looks like it's going to work pretty effectively for at least the next month or so. We should probably just start the timeline and rope Lyle back into this um, (laughs) so we can get to talking about those most recent 48 hours. Baseball. Thank you, Lyle. buddy. Um, Okay, so... So, December 1st, 2021, uh, so about three months ago, or four, the collective bargaining agreement expires. Uh, The very next day, commissioner of the 
of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, says, uh, simply put, we believe an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season, basically saying that that'll help like jumpstart negotiations. And a lockout is just when the owners stop baseball from happening, not the players. It's like a reverse strike almost. Yeah. And the lockout like prevents any sort of association between the players and the league. So like even down to like, this is, this stuff feels archaic now. Like this feels like this happened forever ago because it was December, but it was like right when that happened, like if you went on the MLB website, all of the players headshots were gone and replaced yeah, with like the, a stock gray photo silhouette. Cause like, that's technically their property yeah. that image of them and MLB can't associate with them to have that image. Yeah. So like down to that Crazy. is like the level of involvement that's not allowed. So, you know, players aren't allowed to use team facilities. They don't have access to trainers. They don't have access to the team doctors. They don't have access to anything. So like there were players that were like up until, you know, even like the beginning of February, there were players that had no idea if they were even going to bother going down to spring training after that after that lockout starts um and the lock the purpose of the lockout was to get negotiations rolling to get labor you know discussions started the owners do not talk with the players for 43 days until looks like february 1st Mm -hmm. the players make a proposal february 1st mlb doesn't say anything requests uh, the federal government to mediate. Uh, The players say no. Major League Baseball doesn't offer a counteroffer for another week, so we're at like February 8th-ish. Around then, they they offer some shitty stuff, basically. They offer a really shitty minimum salary for players, really shitty uh, pre-arbitration bonus. The the things that they were offering also were like so similar and almost identical to just like the previous CBA that they were, you know, obviously it's their goal to keep this collective bargaining agreement as similar to the previous one uh, as possible acting like acting like um, revenue doesn't grow every year, acting like there isn't inflation acting like, they're not making quantifiably more money each year that baseball goes on. So they want to keep all of their expenses the same, which is just not how it should work at all. Yeah. So they, they back and forth for a while and it's just, it's shit. It's all shit. It's deals offered from MLB that are honestly just, comically bad and then the players are like no we want x and then mlb offers something else that's comically bad and they do that back and forth for like 20 ish days up until february 24th and february 24th the mlb puts their foot down and says all right we have until february 28th so as of the time of recording this that was two days ago they said we have until that day to make a deal Otherwise, we're going to start canceling games and we're going to start, you know, canceling things. And this is going to get real bad for you guys. And canceling games doesn't only affect the players. It also means that the uh, arena staff for Mm -hmm. all the parks that were scheduled to work there, those guys lose out on wages. 
you know, parking people for the parks. Those guys lose out on wages. You know, the thousands and yeah. thousands of people required to support baseball as a sport that are not players, they all get fucked. And those are not well-paid people, so they cannot afford, right? you know. Because they're, you know, that's a block of time in their lives that they are yeah. setting aside, not working any other jobs. They're like, okay, cool. I go to work starting March 31st, opening day, and I have my job until September, maybe October if I'm lucky. And I think like one of the better indicators of like just how poor faith the owners were negotiating in is the arbitration pool debacle. So the MLBPA had proposed um, that there would be a large pool of money for a top percentage of players who are entering the service time period of arbitration. So I think they were like initially basing the idea off of like the top 20 players who have like the best war, which is like already a really bad stat that means wins above replacement that changes based on which website you're calculating it on, which metrics you're calculating it on. It's a horrible stat to try to base people's salary bonuses off of in the first place, but yeah, it's it's Again. a decent it's it's a decent thing to look at if you're like, hey, is this guy better than this other guy yeah. at this position? It's a bad thing to look at if you're trying to say, I'm going to base your whole fucking life off of this one number. Decide how much money you're worth based off of like a stat that's literally different on two different websites. It's different on fangraphs than it is on baseball reference. So the players started their ask for a pool of I think 20 players would be splitting a $100 million pool. And the MLB in their second offer, they said, uh, okay, I know that we offered you $10 million for this pool for 20 players, uh, but we'll give you $15 million. Man, it really seems like these balls are not very based. <laughs> they sure aren't, buddy. <laughs> <sighs> um, God damn. <laughs> You asked me to talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're doing a good job, bud. No, but it's it's like I was saying. You know, you said ten to fifteen million. That's it's that's comically bad. That's almost an it's insult. asinine for for a group of billionaires to be like, "Ooh, I don't know how I feel about giving you guys an extra like two mil each." That's kind of ooh, that's that might be a little bit much money. How about if we give you guys each like. 300k a piece like and it, and if you think about it as like a player by player breakdown i know it's a lot of money but these people are the backbone of the sport you literally cannot have the sport without them so if you want baseball in theory uh you should want the players to get paid so after that the things start getting fucked what was the 28th that 28th was 28th was um monday. monday night so that that was the Previous when when this is going to be coming out on the sixth, that's going to be this previous Monday. So it's like twelve thirty at night, and some of the big baseball beat reporters start talking about, oh, they're going to stay in at the negotiating table until a deal is done. Yeah, they were like, so you know, we hadn't gotten like any kind of sufficient reporting on these labor talks. Like there hadn't been like 
any media buzz. Obviously, the media buzz is going to pick up around the alleged deadline. But there was like we weren't getting anything. And then suddenly, like that night, they start posting videos of like the union representatives and the owners like walking back and forth across a parking lot to like go do their in-person negotiations. Like all of this media starts coming out that is just getting people excited and fostering this like hope in people that they were really close to making a deal. So Bob Nightingale. Well, it, was, it was, yeah, it was the appearance of, of progress, progress and uh, their, you know, transpa- transparency when there was no transparency previously, which, you know, in right. literally any labor negotiation is going to make you go like, ooh. Yeah. You know. And it's, you know, it's really easy for baseball fans who are so fucking starved for literally any type of news are going to go feral over it. And they did. And it's really funny how easily it worked because if you know anything about baseball Twitter, you know who Bob Nightingale is and you know that he's a joke. Like this man is like notoriously wrong about things. He's notoriously late with certain scoops. He's not a trusted voice in the community at all. Absolutely not like an unbiased reporter by any means. And they chose him as their mouthpiece and people ate that shit up like it was Sunday gravy. Like what? Do, why, what are you? Oh, I don't what, know. Don't if make I've that face at me. Say that. <laughs> what? You don't. I've eat never sh- heard the phrase Sunday gravy. Yeah. Because you hate Italian people. You're not wrong. <laughs> Good morning, Sunday morning. And welcome to the Sunday morning gravy cast. I'm Alex. As with always. <laughs> Well, anyways, people started eating that shit up. Bob Nightingale is tweeting, um, you know, he's he's tweeting updates all of a sudden at past midnight. He's like, oh, they're they're agreeing on they're agreeing on how many teams are going to be in the playoffs. Like, this is great. They're agreeing on stuff. He's tweeting at just before midnight. He's like, there's still some tweaks, but the luxury tax penalty luxury tax penalties will be similar to the last CBA. He's like, you know, sending out all of these little nuggets, getting uh, his, how many people follow him? Oh, I guess he doesn't have that many followers. He only has 300,000 followers. But he's getting all of these people excited, saying that their plan is to not leave the building until they have negotiated a deal. So then all of baseball Twitter decides to stay up all night. And then it kind of just dies at like three in the morning. And they're like, okay, so we're going to actually, when we said that there was a deadline and it was midnight tonight, uh, we were kidding. And the deadline is going to be tomorrow at 5 p.m. So they changed the deadline to March 1st at 5 p.m. And that's when they really started getting tricky with it. I don't remember who was the first person to tweet the next day about it, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter because the, like the three reporters all are kind of fed the same shit. The next day, the first things that we were hearing, like everybody woke up expecting to hear that a deal was reached because we were told that, you know, they were really close to compromising. And we were told that 
you know, both sides were bending in order to make a deal and in order to make baseball happen. Uh, turns out that was not the case. <laughs> and um, they start tweeting things like, oh, an MLB official said that they thought they had a path to a deal last night when they extended the deadline, but the union has struck a different note today. The official further stated the league would make one final best offer and hope for the best. Things have obviously turned south. And like everyone was so confused by this, rightfully, because they just spent all last night staying up, waiting just to get that notification that's like breaking, a deal has been reached. And now they're waking up and being told that the players are the ones who have all these demands and the players are the ones who like have a different tone. Like they're literally villainizing them through tweets. And it's so bleak. What's important to note, though, is that whenever the Sunday morning podcast villainizes people through tweets, it's cool and good um, when we do it. Yeah, that's allowed because we're not billionaires who own uh, baseball teams yet. If you yeah, if you would like us to be billionaires who own baseball teams, please go to uh, patreon.com slash Sunday morning pod. The five dollar tier. It's there. The ten dollar tier. Get enough of those. We will buy a baseball team. Man, and- I want to own a baseball team so bad and be just like Steve Cohen and spend all my money on my silly little baseball team, just like I'm in MLB The Show in franchise <laughs> mode. I want to own a baseball team so that I can uh, take every direction for like what to do with my baseball team from the fans of the Sunday Morning Podcast. Yeah. Just like, hey, should we draft this guy and put out a Twitter poll, give him like two, three minutes to decide, and then <laughs> just you run it. I'm just like, okay, sounds good. Uh, we're going to get this hockey player. So after <laughs> getting back to baseball, after uh, after they geez. were like, yeah, the, uh, uh, the players are fucking us over, MLB says this is our best and final offer with two hours left before their fake deadline that they've moved back like six times. It wasn't their best offer, and they admitted to it uh, a little bit later, but they basically said, this is what we're doing. Fuck you guys. Yeah, they basically gave a take it or leave it deal. Yeah. Um, with like, And it was trash. Which is like so funny with how calculated it was with, you know, them going past the midnight deadline, kind of like made everyone be like, oh, so the deadline's not real. Like, that's crazy. They're just going to kind of keep negotiating because they want to get it done. And then they set a second deadline and everyone's like, okay, cool. This one's fake too. And they're like, actually, no, this one's the real deadline. Fuck you. Uh, Baseball is dead. It was, it was comical in, again, comical in how low it was. It was uh, they were like $50,000 apart on their minimum salary proposals. Which is uh, like fucking insane. $50,000 to a billionaire? Like, are you kidding me? Can't, no, I can't spare it. it. They're like, ooh, cash is kind of tight. I only make $50,000 uh, in probably two games, just in like ticket sales and concessions games more like two minutes yeah i don't even know how fast these people make money my brain doesn't work like that or at all or at all clearly (laughs) (laughs) um the they were like 
comically far apart. They like hardly adjusted. I think there's like the main four key areas of the CBA, uh, which are like the minimum salary, the arbitration bonus pool, like we talked about, service time, and then CBT, which is not either of the fun. Critical bus theory. Cock and ball tax. (laughs) God, that explains why my taxes were higher this year. (laughs) Yeah, you got to pay that cock and ball tax. I thought I was going to get a pretty good refund. What the fuck? Cognitive behavioral torture. Therapy. (laughs) Just a regular acronym for it. Yeah. The CBT really, that's that acronym, that acronym gets a lot of work. Yeah, it really does. We don't talk about okay, that. Okay, what what is it what does it actually stand for in regards <laughs> to baseball? The competitive balance tax. So like in, you know, a lot of other sports have a lot more competent bargaining agreements where there's a salary cap and a salary floor and that functions. I mean, I won't even call it competent because when there's a salary cap and a salary floor, it ends up they being stock good for the lower paid players and bad for the higher paid players. But a lot of people could argue that that doesn't matter, even though it's unfair. Uh, But the competitive balance tax in baseball kind of acts like a salary cap, but is not a salary cap. It's just a ceiling for how much you are allowed to spend on your roster. And then any amount above that, you just have to pay an extra tax on. So a lot of teams do treat it like a salary cap and they don't go anywhere near it. And Okay, so if you go over the CBT, then you got to pay a shit ton of money for the privilege of doing so. It's not even a shit ton of money. Like at that point. You got to pay a couple of bucks. Yeah, you got to like, it's like, I don't, they're saying, um, yeah, like the threshold, I don't know what the tax is over it, but you know, it's some low percent. They obviously want the thresholds to be raised because what happens when teams aren't reaching or getting near the competitive balance tax threshold is you're putting together a shitty fucking roster that's not going to win any games and you're going to tank and you're going to get a good draft pick and you're just going to keep doing that over and over and over again because that's a lot easier and a lot less expensive than putting together a good team of high paid players who are going to win yeah. which gets you more money so like i don't get it don't worry about it it's fine and that's like kind of the other interesting thing about the playoff thing that they were discussing like they were no one really was aware that they were trying to i mean they talked about expanding the playoffs and then all of a sudden they were like oh yeah we totally agreed on this the owners wanted it to be 14 teams in the playoffs out of the 30 baseball teams that there are which is half so stupid (laughs) to play 162 games and then have 14 of those teams make the playoffs and that functions really well in the owner's favor because they get to say oh my team made the playoffs i don't have to spend more money because my team made the playoffs why would i increase my roster salary when I made the playoffs, even though you got eliminated in the first round. It's it's another chance to swing things so you can screw workers, essentially. Exactly. All, all that aside, like I think we're getting a little bit too into the details of the final offer. 
it was just on all four of those pillars that you were talking about. It was fucked. And they the players budge. association was like, fuck you guys. This sucks. Um, so one of the players said it was a slap in the face was the yeah. words they used. And it, it kind of is, it was a so far off of what the players wanted and B so, so, so similar to what they had previously offered. Mm-hmm. Like they were still, you know, the bonus pool request, the players continued to come down and they're like, okay, we'll meet you towards the middle. You know, you think if you're, if you're bargaining with someone and you're at a hundred million dollars and this other person and the other people are at $15 million, you'd think they're going to meet somewhere towards 50, maybe $60 million in an ideal world. The players came down to $85 million for that. And the owners said, mm, how's 25? So it's like that level of bad faith and just absolute horseshit wasting time. Yeah, I mean, literally the, the only consolation in these negotiations is that the the Players Association is such an established union that it's not like they're going to fuck with the union itself. And that's, you know, that's not terribly common in labor negotiations, but in pretty much every other avenue, the owners are just fucking everybody involved. And, you know, they don't care because they're rich. Everybody, the players are screwed. The fans are screwed. The workers at the stadium are screwed. And they don't care because like the thing about baseball is the season is so long. We are now entering the third season of baseball that's not normal, which is crazy. Yeah. We had 2020, which was extremely shortened. And then we had 2021, which was half of the season was without fans. So the owners have this extra advantage where they understand what they can get away with. They understand how much money they can lose before it starts to hurt. And the first month of baseball games, typically, revenue-wise, are not where you make all your money because people are still paying attention to basketball in April. They're still paying attention to hockey in April. The opening month of baseball is kind of like their least lucrative month that they are more than happy to not have to pay players. They're like, we can live without this. They made it, you know, they lost like 80 games in 2020. Like they don't, they're not fucking scared of shit. They know that they're still going to make money. They know that the money's going to come back almost immediately, but they're acting like it's not as a, as their little like crying wolf chip. So obviously the players decided to unanimously, the players union uh, rejected the final proposal. Good, which is a good thing. And um, Rob Manfred, who is the commissioner of baseball, hosted a press conference in which he was laughing. He was up there giggling, (laughs) which was so insane to watch. Um, And he canceled the first two season, first two series of the season. So uh, I think a good chunk of teams, I think almost every team uh, is losing some games. Most of them six to seven games. Yeah. And Some of them less if they had a... They're absolutely not afraid 
to probably keep doing that. I it's it's a smart move to only cancel them in chunks like that because you know if they went ahead and I was fully I'm fully emotionally prepared to lose a full month of it, but the optics of only canceling a couple series at a time are really great for the owners. Oh yeah, so they aired they aired Rob Manfred's little press conference where he like did his whole thing and talked about how sad he was. And all that bullshit. And then the MLBPA gets to have their own press conference, which was, you know, like a couple hours later, enough time for, you know, people to shut off their TV and not pay attention. Mm -hmm. And they aired about five minutes of it before just uh, cutting back to SportsCenter while the press conference was still going. (laughs) And they just didn't put it back on on TV. Uh, So you had to go on YouTube to finish the press conference. And if you get the chance to go back and watch that, uh, it's awesome. Tony Clark absolutely like eviscerates the owners. Max Scherzer looks really angry up there. It rules. And, you know, they just talk about, you know, everything that they're losing and everything that they have on the line. And a lot of the players are like really, really fucking fed up which is awesome to see like almost immediately after this, like you have Marcus Stroman, (laughs) like basically calling for uh, Rob Manfred's head on a stake on Twitter, which ruled if you're not blocked by him, you'll be able to see that. I I mean, yeah, that's one of the things in labors, like in general, that is a lot. It's always nice to see is the moment when the workers like just get pissed and say, fuck you guys, we're done. You know, because because they're they've approached this whole thing in good faith. They've it's been so negotiating. Hard to, yeah, it's hard to like um, watch it happen because there's so many people that don't understand it because it's like you, it, the emotion is what comes first is like people are going to get emotional about this above all and refuse to see the side of the laborers and the anti-solidarity is just like woven so deep it is very well sad. that's that's just america well that's- yeah it's like and it function in the 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 propaganda that mlbpa or the mlb is putting out and has been putting out against the mlbpa is textbook it's the exact yeah, same I- as every other type of union busting jargon it's the same as like you know it's it's what gets said about people who are striking except they're not striking. <laughs> they're not, they're literally not allowed to work. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the kind of funny thing. It's not even, it's not even the players saying we won't work. It's they're not allowed to work and mm-hmm. they're being kept from work and being blamed for being kept or from work, being kept from work, which is super cool. And it's cool to establish that precedent and make that seem normal. I think that's good for labor at large. I don't. (laughs) I don't think that. That was that was about all that happened, though. Oh yeah, there was that really good. um, There was that good Ross Stripling quote. Ross Stripling, uh, who's on the Blue Jays, he kind of like you know a lot of players are starting to get a little bit louder about this now because you know during the early stages of the lockout, like a lot of players were scared to say stuff because you know you don't want to jeopardize your position which is like a whole other 
layer of how fucked up this is that, you know, they're not feeling safe to talk about their working conditions in fear of public discretion and criticism and, you know, the public kind of proved them right there. But Ross Stripling on the Blue Jays was talking about the negotiations um, that were like going early into the or late into the night. And he said, uh, it got to be like 1230 and the fine print of their CBT proposal was stuff we had never seen before. They were trying to sneak things through us. It was like they think we're dumb baseball players and we get sleepy after midnight or something. It's like that stupid football quote. They are who we thought they were. They did exactly what we thought they would do. They pushed us to a deadline that they imposed and they tried to sneak some shit past us at that deadline and we were ready for it. We've been ready for five years and then they tried to flip it on us today in PR saying that we've changed our tone and tried to make it look like it was our fault. That never happened. So now you have players coming right out and saying like they fully tried to fuck us and they would have fucked us if we weren't paying attention and we weren't ready to fight for this deal because what happens if they settle on a deal in this year when they're like so ready to get what they deserve is that the next CBA will be so much worse. You almost said CBT I almost there. said CBT. <laughs> I was like CBS. Next um, cotton ball torture. The next one, you know, if if they don't if they settle on a deal now with how bad this has gone, you can pretty much guarantee that they will lose two seasons of baseball in five years. Like that's how bad this could potentially go if no one gets pushed. Yeah, I mean, it's like most labor negotiations. It'll escalate if the owners and the people with capital are not. You know, not to go all Tom mode here, but, you know, if the people with capital are not brought to heel, they're just going to keep trying to get away with shit and keep trying to get away with shit. Yes, sir. But yeah, that kind of that's kind of the long story short. Long story long. Long story long. Uh, the baseball owners suck and they made me really sad this week. And I almost fell for some of that shit. And then I was like, wait a second. It's Bob Nightingale. Smarten up, bitch. And then I went to bed. Proud of you. Thank you. What do you think, Lyle? Baseball. All right. Thank you guys for listening to episode 59 of the. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do want to end on that. Oh, that would be funny. No. Sorry we- about this one. Uh, you guys know where you can find us online. That is at Sunday underscore pod on Twitter. We have a link tree in our bio there that has our website, our Twitch, our YouTube, everything good and cool about the Sunday morning podcast. We also have, uh, no, that's actually it. Everything's in the link tree. I don't know why I'm saying also. Uh, you can give us reviews on Spotify and iTunes. We appreciate those. Those help the show grow. And I like when I look at the show and it says uh, it's got a bunch of stars next to it. That makes me feel good in my brain. Also, if you are interested in this sort of stuff we've been talking about this episode, you know, baseball and labor unions, 
go listen to Tipping Pitches. They are a great podcast. A couple of they cool are guys. So much smarter than we are about this kind of stuff. One hundred percent. They I mean that it's their whole deal and they bring on like labor lawyers and a lot of cool people who are invested in the cause. Uh, they talk about unionizing the minor leagues a lot. Really cool guys. Go listen to their podcast. Keep listening to ours, though. Don't stop listening to us. Just also <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> Add another one to the repertoire for, yeah, exactly. for the cause. Uh, that's all I've got for you guys this week, though. So good morning, Sunday morning, and we will see you next week. And I was here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>